Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you can catch up with me on Twitter. You can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support me on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. And if you sign up, you do get a weekly bonus episode of everything else I'm watching. Get a lot of questions about shows and movies in, in books and other stuff, all that stuff is on the Patreon. And I do want to take a quick moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Jeff Woodman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Oh, and Josh Johnson. Um, and I have a returning guest today. I have Phil from The Eternal Night and The Four Nerds. Who is also a patron you just mentioned, funny enough. How are you doing, yes. Lisa? <laughs> doing well how are you doing i'm great you know it's fun to be back in the chair talking another movie that we both really enjoy and love so you know we we i think we mentioned on man of steel you know we always went back and forth about what movies to talk about immediately and then not too long ago i reached out immediately and asked if the film that we were talking about today had been taken and you had said no and i was like okay well i want it <laughs> yeah no no problem and um and yes thank you for being a patron also oh, <laughs> appreciate 100%. you 100 you know, um, it's funny oh, because like, I, you know, I really hate cutting you off. I don't mean to be a jerk about oh, no, it. You're but good, you're good. it. It's just like, you know, we've been podcasting with each other for a number of years now. And it's just, you know, from one friend to another, I love your show. I love what you do with your show. And I just, you know, try and support you any way I can. So happy, Always happy to help anyway. Yes. And right back at you. I will support you any way I can. Total, appreciate you coming on. I feel like, you know. We've done so many great episodes, and so just can't thank you enough for that. And of, you know, honestly, a couple people asked for this movie, but uh, I held the spot. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll that. keep that in the show or not. I don't want to make people upset, but I did hold on to the slot. So. You know, I hope no one's upset, but I feel like there is one individual who may be upset. Scott, I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So you chose the Batman. I did. I did choose the Batman. I yep. did. And this is a newer film. It came out in 2022, which we don't do a lot of new films, but I feel like a lot of people, us included, watched this movie and thought, oh man, this is this is up there already. 100%. 100%. 100%. And we've talked about quite a few comic book movies, either on my show or um, on your older previous show. Mm -hmm. um, came that on there true. quite a few times and talked about that. So... So yeah, um, it, it only makes sense for us to cover this. And uh, so before I dive in too deep, I do want to say that it's not going to be a spoiler-free discussion. I've never been the kind of podcaster that's like, okay, here are my 
I guess on the Patreon, sometimes I warn people, but on here, I just say, I, I think it's better if you stop and you go watch it and then you come back. But if you're still here, basically the synopsis is pretty simple. Uh, there's a sadistic serial killer that's murdering key political figures in Gotham, and Batman is forced to investigate uh, the city's hidden corruption, and he ends up questioning his own family's involvement. Mm-hmm. That is the gist of what happens in the Batman, but there is oh so much more to cover. So, Phil, uh, first off, you know, obviously, I think like me, you saw this in theaters, but I mean, do you want to talk about a little bit like the anticipation leading up to the film and your initial thoughts when you saw it? You know, it's, 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 first of all, I love superhero movies. I think that's not a question. You know, the, one of the first, ep- one of the first episodes we did of your show together for was Man of Steel. And you, I, yep. I had you on my show for Birds of Prey, I believe the Suicide Squad. Was it also Doctor Strange? I think you were with us on Doctor Strange. Chris. I think so. And I know I've even talked about the Batman on another podcast, although it's escaping me at the moment, which one it was, but yeah. I mean, we but, both talked about superhero stuff quite a bit. And <laughs> Batman like is lot. and Batman is a staple. He's a he's a fan favorite. He's my favorite, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a tattoo. I've seen all a lot of the movies in theater. Um, I was fortunate enough to see Batman Returns right around um, October a couple of years ago. So Halloween oh, nice. time. It was it was really cool. It was really cool to see at the time my favorite Batman film in, in live action on the big screen. But I, uh, you know, I I've, I've always really loved going to see those big blockbuster superhero films and even though batman isn't necessarily a superhero i've always just gravitated towards his character in general and you know the first batman film i saw in the movie theater was batman forever so (laughs) says a lot about my love and taste because i I adore that movie to this day uh but getting to see this film in particular and, and getting to you know see the get to see the new the new the new suit the new actor the new director oh excuse me the new director the new Batmobile, who else might show up in this case? You know, you have Catwoman played by Zoe Kravitz. You have Penguin played by Colin Farrell. And of course, Paul Dano, who plays the serial killer-ish level Riddler. And on top of many, many others in a supporting cast, you also have John Turturro. You've got the great Jeffrey Wright. Like this, this, this seeing this film come together in a way after, you know, the, the unfortunate truth of having Ben Affleck stepping away from the role and not getting to do what he wanted to do with the solo project and seeing Matt Reeves come in and step in and and be like you know I want to do Batman my way and for all the for again you know I, I we are a very positive podcast here but just for for clarification and purposes you know of all the things that Warner Brothers may have not done right I feel like one of the things that they did do right was give Matt Reeves that creative freedom to be like yeah if you want to make a Batman movie make your own Batman movie. You shouldn't be beholden to what we're trying to build here in our cinematic universe. If we want to do something of that level, we should get someone else to do it. But if you want to do your own film, by all means, we can wait, let you do your own movie. I think that was really respectable on their end, despite everything that might not have been so smart in regards to any other cinematic universe, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Batman. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think giving Matt Reeves that full creative freedom and giving them giving him to do what he did with this movie really just showcased what you can do in a world where superhero films and cinematic universes are the dominant cop topic of conversation and i feel like if you're really going to evolve or elevate that genre in any way you need to do something of an a legitimate kind of multiverse angle 
to telling these stories. And I think doing a different version of Batman and having it set in, you know, a really darker Gotham where the city is more of a, more of a person of interest in this, in this, in this movie, but also having it feel populated by characters that you didn't necessarily get in a way that you could say that happened in the first four Burton Schumacher films, or even more specifically with like, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, you know, because that was only like one villain at a time with Batman along in it. What mm-hmm. is the new, who are these characters going to play? Who are these actors going to be? But, but with this film, you know, we heard from the go that it was going to be a very populated movie with a lot of really iconic characters. So I think just the novelty of having this brand new Batman movie that felt like it was really embracing what made Batman so iconic after all these years, but also kind of going back to those really hard detective roots, I think really did appeal to a lot of fans who may or may not have been on that same boat for Ben Affleck's, you know, version of Batman, who was seeing all these, you know, supernatural elements and battling aliens and duking it out with gods and stuff. If you wanted something more, you know, detective driven. And that's another thing, right? Like that was another pull for this film was seeing a Batman movie that was through the lens of a detective story that hadn't been done before. So I think having that be reiterated and having it also ultimately follow through with, with the end product was really just ideal. You know, I, I, I could gush about the making of this movie to, for, to, until the end of time, because I, I just distinctly remember seeing all the videos of the stunt people and, you know, in Glasgow in London in the UK, seeing the first costume test, with Giacchino's, you know, early days of working of what would become his score, just leading up to this movie was just an absolute joy. And even now, like looking forward to the future a little bit, like it's going to be awesome for me as a Batman fan to see not only part two get developed in the same way, but to see another Batman film, Batman Brave and the Bold, if it's even called Batman Brave and the Bold, get developed with Batman and Damian Wayne Robin, maybe even more of the Bat family to show up. It's going to be really interesting to see just how these worlds evolve but just specifically going back to the batman like again like i like leading up to the creation filming post-production of that film seeing the first trailer at dc fandom seeing the the new trailer following that and one of my favorite trailers to date is the the batman catwoman trailer they released days after christmas Mm -hmm. of of 2021 i think that that is hands down one of the best trailers i would say since they released the flash this past sunday at super bowl I think yeah, those two trailers are hands like it's just superb, spectacular way of selling your movie in the best way possible. But really, like I, I was really looking forward to this movie, despite, you know, coming at the cost of not seeing a Ben Affleck movie with Deathstroke as the main antagonist. That's really the only de- the pitfall there with that. But how do you feel about leading up to the release of the Batman? Which, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so I think that I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, I think that, you know, I don't think you're being too negative to bring it up at all. Uh, WB is struggling. (laughs) Um, Things (laughs) seem like they're looking up, we hope. But there has been a ton of controversy, a ton of issues. And, I mean, we all know that. Um, Despite all that, I was really excited for this film because of quite a few things. Um, the visuals that I was seeing, um, you know, the I didn't like scour the internet for images because I didn't want to ruin the movie for myself. But the things that I saw, I really liked. Um, I'm a fan of Matt Reeves as a director. I love what he did with the Planet of the Apes franchise. I felt like oh, yeah. he deepened it. I felt like he added to it and we'll talk a little bit about that later i'll save some of that for later um 
I thought the casting was incredible, starting with Bruce Wayne. I was like automatically on board. Controversial take, I know. Although I liked Ben Affleck's Batman, I think this style that we get in the movie is the kind of Batman that I like the most. So there's, you know, that's just like a personal preference. Batman is kind of like, I mean, he's kind of like James Bond, right? Where you can kind of have a favorite take. There could be many different takes on the same character. And I liked what I was seeing. I, I liked what I knew Pattinson could bring to that character, as well as I liked a lot of the other actors that were cast, including Colin Farrell and Jeffrey Wright and, you know, Zoe Kravitz. I mean, I just was on board. And then uh, hearing about the influences that Matt Reeves has on this universe. Again, I don't want to say too much. We'll talk about that later. But that was another big part of it. Understandable. Um, yeah. Being being Batman fans, you know, he had, does have a very large library of, you know, mm-hmm. um, material to pull from. And I think, you know, to your point, Matt Reeves pulled from a lot of really good stories. Yep personally but you know yeah. we can talk about that later and and you know this it, you can really tell how he feels about this character and this story it reminds me a lot of the way that um denny villeneuve felt about dune or oh, okay. you know blade yeah. runner to me yeah. it felt like it's that extra level of like not only are they a really good director but they're also a big fan and you can tell and and i think that this the way that the story is told i mean you're it's kind of hard to find a fan that didn't like it you know yeah, i mean it's not like a true. controversial movie or anything it did really well people really liked it and so yeah i was anticipating it and then i have to say i i saw it at the time i wasn't able to get to a theater to see it so i saw it at home i had to wait a little bit and when i finally saw it i was just just over the moon. I loved it. So I am very pumped to talk about it. So those are my initial thoughts. Um, I do want to transition into, I have a couple of quick facts. Okay. I know there's probably endless facts about this movie that we could pull, but here's, here's a couple that I really enjoyed. Um, number one, we'll talk about Matt Reeves. Uh, he cites that the Batman comics, Batman Ego, Batman Mirror One, and Batman The Long Halloween as main influences on the film. Funnily enough, Jeff Loeb, who wrote The Long Halloween, was one of Reeves' screenwriting teachers when he was at USC. Oh, okay. I didn't know that that was that Jeff Loeb had been a screenwriting teacher, but I did know that the, 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 the influences for the film were those three books, all of which I do own. So, Yeah, I think I, I lo- have two I out of the three. Which ones do you have? I have Year One and I have The Long Halloween but I don't have Batman ego. Ego is a really good one. Okay. Get that. But you can, I can definitely see the influence to me, especially the long Halloween. Um, seems like one of the biggest influences of the movie. Honestly, this movie is long Halloween with hints of hush and zero year. Mm-hmm. That, oh my zero, gosh yes <laughs> with zero year and just maybe some some shades of year one or not year one earth one yeah. because alfred the alfred pennyworth in this film played by any circus is straight out of the jeff johns gary frank earth one mm, book nice that 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 alfred is straight up no nonsense beard scar cane straight up it's it's you if you pulled out that book and then looked at any circus you'd be like yeah that's it's damn near the same thing nice uh, another one I have is that at 175 minutes, this is the longest Batman film to be premiered, and it is the second longest comic book movie 
behind Avengers Endgame, which is 181 minutes. Okay, that must be theatrically released because I know this, there's definitely yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what I thought because we we both know there's another comic book film that is absolutely is a longer lot longer. Than, yeah, right, right. But, Several hours longer. Yep. In- interesting. Yeah, I mean, I knew this was the longest Batman film, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, in a theater, which, yeah. like you're saying, it could have been different. But anyway, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then uh, when Alfred is deciphering the first clue from the Riddler, he tells Bruce he's remembering back to his days in the circus. And this is likely a reference to the name given to MI6 headquarters. Andy Circus stated that in this version, Alfred Pennyworth was a security guard for Bruce's father, Thomas Wayne. He is also an excellent code breaker and an intelligence expert. Alfred is a former member of MI6. So anyway, I think that's an interesting detail. Does that in the earth one comic that you're talking about does he have those roots as well um i want to say yes but i know there's been a couple different versions of alfred that have all been mi6 in some fashion or another yeah but i i would say yes um one thing i do know is that alfred is the one who taught this version of bruce how to fight exactly he mentions that in the film you're right yeah he mentions that in the film and that that's heavily touched upon in a prequel story that's told either audiobook or I think it's even in a novel form too. There's there's a story that takes place before the movie and it showcases where Bruce learns how to fight, where you you kind of see the evolution of what becomes his Batmobile take place. There's a little bit of the Riddler in there. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. I'll say that mm, that much. Okay. Um, nice. Let me check Audible because I should have it here. Let's see. Library. And well, I won't turn down more Batman content. <laughs> Here we go. It's called Before the Batman, an original movie novel by Random oh, House. Okay. And um, it's, it's an audio book. I have it as an audio book and it's narrated oh, okay. by Will, Will Dameron. So. Oh, nice. OK, yep. let's check that out. Well, um, this particular film we mentioned was directed by Matt Reeves. And you mentioned that you're a fan of a lot of his work. I liked war for the planet of the apes and dawn of the planet of the apes uh were there some other movies that he did that you liked a lot cloverfield oh yeah cloverfield he did the original cloverfield i like that one a lot too and Mm -hmm. um you know before the news came out that james gunn was going to be developing a batman that has a batman family um cloverfield was was the largest reason i had that that matt reeves could theoretically step into the more fantastical ways of batman's mythology and also mm. even to to a, a much more realistic extent even mentioning you know dawn and war of the planet of the apes i mean th- this mm-hmm. is a guy who's absolutely not afraid to use motion capture or cgi and right. i think you know hopefully he can i feel like you know hopefully both you know james gunn and matt reese can can just get like a healthy balance of you know batman's villains be used for both sides but um i'm I, I would imagine that there's not going to be too much crossover. I'm sure, yeah. you know, Matt Reeves has his ideas for what villains he wants to use. And I would certainly hope that that means that, 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 you know, it, it, at the end of the day, James Gunn might have final say because he is the DC studios head, but it would, it it would just be, it's going to be interesting to see how and what villains get used where in regards to which universe, but considering the the reality that 
Matt Reeves Batman takes place in. I'm a little bit more inclined to think now that the, that the characters we will see live action villains that might come are going to be a little bit more grounded too. So does that kind of already, you know, kind of leave out like Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy? I wouldn't say no, but I don't know. That, that's just the yeah. point of it, right? Like, could they both use these characters at the same time and do two completely different versions? It's a possibility. Yeah. And this script was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig, who wrote Top Gun Maverick, The mm-hmm. Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 and 2. So they kind of wrote this together, which again, I think goes back to like me saying how involved he is. You know, he's not just directing it, but also helping to write the script. And uh, I remember when we first got images and leaks about this movie. And do you remember that people complained that there were too many villains? <laughs> I do. I do and remember that. And it's funny to think about now because of the way that they're woven into the story is done so well. I think when you mentioned Hush earlier, um, it does kind of remind me of that because of how many characters they're able to pull in. But I mean, we've got most of the rogues gallery here. We've got, you know, the Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and a little bit of the Joker. It's it's pretty incredible the way he was able to put all those characters in here. And the funnier thing is, is like, if, you know, when he was writing the movie and he was at a display for the 1966 show, he was kind of telling us what characters he's going to put in yes, this movie. I remember that image. I, and yes. I was just like, this is so brilliant. Like, it's it's I love it. I love the movie. I love that he did that. And I love that the movie is is reminiscent of that in a way that he used these characters in a way that felt real to the, yeah. you know, to, to us, to our standards. I mean, doing something like what he did with the Riddler was just, you know, in my opinion, I thought it was much needed and, and incredible. I think the Riddler's a character you can use in, in the way that Reeves has done for a long time, like making him a serial killer setting traps for people. I think that's something that's long overdue. And I'm glad Reeves did that with that character. Oh man, he does so many interesting things with the sort of like Arkham Asylum angle, and we'll go into that too. But yes, mm-hmm. I love it. And I feel like there's so many times when I hear people say, Oh, I'm tired of the Joker. I'm tired of Penguin. I'm tired. I'm like, I'm not. I mean, I think that these are his main villains. They're compelling, they're interesting, and they can be told in different ways. But I think, you know, having the first Batman movie not have a big Batman villain would. I would not like that, number one. And then number two, I think he just proved in this film what he can do with those iconic characters. And Agreed. You know. Agreed. But anyway, let's, uh, what do you want to talk about next? Do you want to talk about the cast or do you want to start uh, talking about some of your favorite scenes? I mean, just to kind of touch back on Reeves a little bit, I think the, oh, yeah. the, the cast that he pulled together for this was just really well done. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone had this really epic part to play. Like to your point, you know, bringing in Catwoman as being like kind of an ally to Batman, but also being on her own story path and then having, you know, a version of the Penguin that's absolutely much more like, you know, no, no, knock to Dana DeVito. I love what Dana DeVito do with the character, but, but having yeah. a Penguin that is so much the gangster, so much the, the crime boss, or at least, you know, he's on his way to becoming that crime boss that we're going to see so much so that Colin Farrell is getting a spinoff show. I know, a pe- weird, a right? Show, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's still happening, which is kind of surprising to me. But I mean, Colin Farrell is a great actor. I think the spin on Oz is one of my favorites um, in recent history. I think rivaling—I can't remember if it was 
I don't think it was Arkham Games. I think it was the Telltale series had an Oz that's like British and a gangster, which I kind of like that too. I almost thought they were going to do that with Colin. Um, but I like going back to like the gangster stuff for Batman. I yeah. am very partial to when they lean into like the organized crime um, and sort of more detective take on Batman. So I'm freaking loving this. And I completely agree with you. The The whole cast is astounding. It reminds me a lot, again, of like when Dune came out and I saw the cast yeah. and I thought, wow, this is going to be a big movie. It's going to be well told and they're getting top tier talent um, to tell it. And that's how I felt with this cast. Uh, you know, we've talked about Colin Farrell a little bit. Zoe Kravitz, honestly, I'm just going to say it, bold statement, but probably my favorite, really hard to say this, <laughs> one of my favorite, I say one of now, I'm yeah. taking it back a little bit, such a brilliant take on Catwoman as a character, extremely refreshing, but still true to the main character. I think, I mean, it, for me, it rivals what Michelle Pfeiffer did. I just love what is done with this character in this movie, and I'll we'll definitely dive into why, but you know, Zoe Kravitz is a big part of that. Jeffrey Wright as Gordon to me is like inspired casting. Uh, I think he's perfect for that role. Um, absolutely adore his work in, um, uh, oh man, like in Westworld. Westworld. He's so great in that show. He's just awesome. And so when they said he was going to be Gordon, I was like, yes, yes. And then Paul Dano as the Riddler, like, can someone pinch me? Like, did they get like, read my mind like it, it was just incredible when I found out he was gonna be the Riddler I was like that is beautiful casting because I love Paul Dano I've thought he was an incredible actor since I saw him in There Will Be Blood um as Eli he does unhinged like no one else can um he's also great in the movie well in a lot of movies you know uh, Little Miss Sunshine he was in um uh, well, to, prisoners. To, I was just going to say that prisoners. Yeah. Which I feel like Reeves must have seen that and thought, yeah, that's my Riddler right there. <laughs> Even though it's a very different performance, but there's just something similar about it. And then you've got Andy Serkis as Alfred. Like, are you kidding me? We get Andy Serkis as Alfred. Like th that's incredible. And then John Turturro as Carmine, who is having a little bit of a resurgence lately. Um, he does great work in severance. Yes. And then when I realized he was going to be Falcone, I was like, what? That is wonderful. Um, who else? Uh, Barry Keegan has a very small part, a bigger part. If you watch the deleted scenes and the mm -hmm. extended version, mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, I mean, just to me, such a brilliant cast and, um, you know, the cast, the writing, the direct, I don't know, just sets a great tone. And then I barely talked about Robert Pattinson, but I said before, and I'll say it again, he is perfect casting for Bruce Wayne. I loved him in good time. And um, actually, he's been in a ton of good movies. And I'm so glad that we're finally over the vampire stuff. <laughs> a part that he wasn't that thrilled to play either. So I'm glad that true. he's moved on from that stigma. True, true, very true. And I mean, when it's when it when it came it's funny because you know that's that's always the question is who's going to play batman right i remember mm -hmm. when ben affleck got cast you know i was with a couple friends playing dungeons and dragons at our at a game store and oh, that nice. news broke and and literally half the stores just in in a, in a straight up fit over this right <laughs> and I, i'm surprised i mean <laughs> why would they why were they upset i would think 
you know, nerds happen to often be Kevin Smith fans, so that's kind of like an in right there with his connection with well, him. And, and also, you know, he did Daredevil, so it's like, yeah, he's perfect for Batman, especially with you know at the time what they were going for. Like, it's it's and it's just so. I but when when Robert Pattinson got cast, I remember Ugh. hearing it, or at least that the rumor mill was so full of who was going to be the next Batman after Ben Affleck was stepping away and taking some time to himself rightfully so yeah. love the love him as an actor love him as a director but if he if he doesn't feel compelled to do the role he doesn't feel compelled to do the role and that's another thing right i can't like, imagine the pressure of that role to be honest i i, I mean it's like it's got to be enormous i think like this role and like yeah. james bond and a, a few other iconic ones Spider-Man. it's probably yeah it's probably suffocating yeah. to those actors i mean it is so much commitment it and people are so vicious um with Pattinson, well, I remember people going like, oh, he's, you know, the biggest one I kept hearing was, oh, he's emo. And I'm like, Batman is emo. He's like, he's literally the Dark Knight. He's as gothic as you can get. He lives in Gotham. Like, what are you talking right, about? Right. He's a dark character. So I thought it was good. And plus, like, I'm fine with his, you know, build, which, by the way, I mean, to me, he looks in shape. But I remember people criticizing that, too. And I remember uh, Nick. My husband goes, you know, this is like the first time I've seen a Batman on screen where I'm like, oh, I could cosplay that. Like, he's like, I kind of like that he's smaller because it's more like realistic. And I think he makes it makes the character like a little bit more relatable, you know, because it's kind of like he's he's in year one, pretty much or year two. He's early on. So he's he's probably going to get better and better and better. But it, it just makes it it adds a level of like it being grounded i think um compared to some of the other versions of batman and i mean this version of batman is more grounded intentionally so but yeah i don't know anyway sorry to interrupt oh, no, but no, i no. wanted to just add some some thoughts on the cast too <laughs> oh no i mean you know there's even that shot in the movie where you see Pattinson with a shirt off and he even still looks cut for his yeah size. he looks pretty cut to me but i guess our you know because of like how many superhero movies are made and they they seem to be getting buffer and buffer and buffer that I'm like, I kind of like when someone doesn't look like that. I, I don't know. It's refreshing and I mean, to me. Specifically when it comes to Batman, right? Like, you know, there's so many different ways he's been drawn. I mean, if you look at Ben Affleck's take, take on the character, it's obviously very much inspired by like the likes of Jim Lee and Frank Miller. But then you look mm-hmm. over at Pattinson and it's so much more Dave Mazzuccelli or maybe a little bit of Neil Adams, maybe a little bit of Jim Aparo, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, Oh, Lee Bermejo sprinkled in there. Definitely with the armor. It's, it's so different, but it's just like, yeah, it's, it's Batman because that character has just been done so many different ways over the years. I mean, to even touch back on getting actors, just getting vicious responses look at val kilmer and george clooney for crying out loud right i know like Like huge stars that have tons of great movies under their belt and even they are not immune you know right like even george clooney to this day still you know makes fun of the fact that he was batman he's like you know he just made a batman and robin joke not too long ago yeah i don't remember where but like i don't remember where exactly but he didn't but you know, Val Kilmer is another one of those people. He stepped in the role for one movie and he, after he, after he was done, he's, I don't want to do that anymore. It was suffocating, to your point, suffocating it. That suit was so suffocating. And when you think about like the suits that these guys have to get into, 
you know, specifically like the one Michael Keaton and, and Kilmer and Clooney had to wear, that had to have been like one of the most painful things oh, those ever. T- seemed terrible. Yeah. Yeah. The technology then, was just not there back then. <laughs> and then you look at Robert Pattinson and he can just move his neck around because he's got a collar now. And it's like, well, damn, nobody thought of that 20 years ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But we, we could probably get a lot of um, feedback from Colin about how comfortable he was in in this movie. But Oh, gosh. You know, I read somewhere it takes like f- something four plus hours for him to get the makeup done. Yeah. Did you hear? Did you read that thing where like he went to Starbucks and his penguin? And then, like no one recognized him, but everyone was giving him weird looks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that. funny. Same, same. Um, okay, well, let's do you want to talk a little bit about like the plot and like some of the scenes? Oh, sure. Yeah, we can do okay, that. Okay, let's do that. Where do you want to start? You know, I watched this movie this morning as I was, you know, kind of setting my stuff back up for my computer and my streaming. And, you know, even just after the many times I've watched this movie, it's just so refreshing to me. I'm just going to come out and say it like this is my favorite solo Batman film. And for a long time, that mantle was held by Batman Returns. But mm-hmm. now to to get a movie that is just so entrenched in Batman's mythology is just so rewarding as a fan. I mean, this from, from the go, like this movie is dark. Gotham City is 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 a character in this film. It's yes. it. And you open up from, you know, a very point of view story, right? Like at first you you, you get the Riddler spying on the mayor and then that dovetails into our introduction to batman and to matt reeves point like i'm going to paraphrase him here but like this this is a straight up batman movie for everything robert pattinson does as batman you hardly get a, a little bit of it as bruce wayne and i think that is something a lot of people weren't expecting and something they're not used to and i even think oh, that to, to an extent it's 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 an acceptable criticism because you know you have to have that healthy balance of Batman and Bruce Wayne. But I think the point of this movie was to showcase the fact that Bruce Wayne wasn't really in a headspace to really focus on Bruce Wayne. He was so zero focused on being Batman that it needed to be kind of a wake up call for him. So much so by the end of the film that everything is in an indirect response to his actions, because had he not been that mantle of vengeance, the Riddler would not have been inspired to do what he did and then leave Gotham in the shambles that he does by the end of the movie. So then that in turn leads Pattinson's Batman to be, you know, like I need to be better than that. I need to be a symbol of hope. I need to be a better, I need to be a better icon. I I can't be vengeance anymore. I need to be better than that. I need to be Batman. Yeah, no, you're totally right. The other thing is, He's, you know, he doesn't have a good balance of him being Batman and Bruce Wayne because in this movie, he doesn't have that balance. He he has, you know, he wants to lean into and only be Batman. And right. like you said, by the end of the movie, he realizes the problem with that is that he inspired the Riddler. And not only that, but if he had been more involved in his family business, he would have known what was wrong with the renewal stuff. Like he let that happen in some ways. Like if he had been more involved, he could have uncovered corruption himself but he didn't because he was so focused on being batman very true um i you talked about gotham as a character i am obsessed with how gotham looks in this movie i it it reminds me a lot and i'm sure you felt this way too of the arkham games um just i feel like it's raining and sirens and it's always dark like i love that aesthetic um to go to a, a, a 
a source material perspective, I think to me, it really reminds me of Mazzuccelli's year one, very vibrant in the use of, you know, the reds and the purple, mm-hmm. very, and, and even the rain, I would even also say yes, the, rain the rain is very reminiscent of, um, oh man, who does Batman in the rain? A lot of Chuck Dixon stuff. There's a lot of Batman in the rain when, with Chuck Dixon writing and, um, even just looking at my, at my bookshelf, like I, I, oh man, I can't even see artist names, but yeah, I really do like the way I would even say like Jim Lee, but then again, you know, that's, that's pretty easy to do easy, easy button because Jim Lee's got like the masterclass hand of everything when it comes to any character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the feel of Gotham, I think truly it's, it's vibrant in a way that, that is very reminiscent of also past films too. Yeah. I would say, you know, you talked about Batman Returns. There are some scenes in this movie that remind me of that. And I'll talk about it when, like, we get to those scenes. But I feel like there's a lot of influences. I think that's another good thing about this film is, like, it builds upon and calls back to other movies and other um, versions of Batman without trying to be like, oh, this is better than that. It's, like, truly a uh, homage to to those things. I agree completely. But yeah, I like that it opens, you know, we meet the Riddler, like you said, with a really interesting and kind of scary kill. And then we meet in the, yeah, it's uh, effed up. Um, And then it's very brutal and and shocking, but not graphic, which this whole movie is kind of like that, where there's some truly, you know, almost saw worthy stuff that happens, but you don't get a full view of it you just get the impression of it which i think is really effective and probably even scarier um so i i like the way that it opens too and i think to your point that you made earlier about the way that characters are woven in and out of this story and just how well it's done together i mean you know when matt reeves was talking about making this movie he specifically cited chinatown Mm -hmm. and i i hadn't watched that movie since um, oh yeah that's a good one it's it's been about 12 years since I was in film school. That was one of the first films I watched when I got to college and rewatching it before seeing the Batman and even seeing the Batman afterwards, like even just going into leading up to the Batman releasing and being made like the feel of Chinatown is all throughout this movie, even so much so to the, to the, to the plot point about flooding, which is, which is pretty crazy to think about, right? Like Mm -hmm. it, it, and even just like the, the overall, noir detective feel of how you have batman and gordon played by jeffrey wright and you know robert pattinson respectively like you have them both playing the sherlock and home the sherlock and watson characters to trying to figure out this this big you know this killer but it turns out to become this much bigger conspiracy that involves the entire city and it what what is going to come from that is just going to leave them both in completely different positions to where you know it leaves a lot to be desired from a storytelling perspective. And I think that's one thing that Matt Reeves did so well. And I remember funny enough, a lot of, there were a few people who had criticisms about the third act. And I was just like, I kind of raised an eyebrow at it because it's, it, it was interesting to me that, that, you know, not only is this a comic book film, but you didn't expect a third act to have some level of action. yeah (laughs) okay all right that's kind of an awkward criticism personally but you know you do you (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, no, I think everything is intentional. And like you said, things that are unanswered, I think, are meant to be woven into the next film. Um, Agreed. But I love the I love the conspiracy. I love the deeper involvement. I love the questioning of his own past. Um, in recent years, it feels like more and more they're kind of including either a darker side to the Waynes or at, at the very least, like more of a mystery as to, mm-hmm. you know, why were they killed? And I don't think it undercuts it. I think the movie does a good job of like, you later do question why they were killed and it could have been um, a mob hit, but also, you know, uh, Alfred says, or it could have been someone off the street. Like we don't know. And like that whole, like not knowing thing, I think, I think is better, but it doesn't I, I, mean that there's no other stuff going on with his parents, you know? You know, I think to your point, the whole not knowing really does a much better job of being like a driving force for why he would want to go out and solve crimes and be a vigilante yeah. and be a crime fighter more so than just, you know, de- honoring their, their memory, which, you know, is compelling of in itself, but just that extra layer of not knowing is just going to be like, you know, you get that little bit of redemption every time you get, you know, your crime solved or you stop a thug or whatever. Yeah. And they do a really good job of hinting at his background and the pain that he's in without replaying that iconic scene, which I never mind it. If I'm honest, like whenever they show his parents dying, I always think it's a big part of his story and I'm okay with them calling back to it, especially if it plays into the plot. Um, but I think they that Matt Reeves did something clever here where instead of that, um, the first person that dies, the mayor, his son is left behind. And mm-hmm. you have that lingering shot of him like looking at that child. And, you know, obviously he had been through the exact same thing. So it's like we get that still like that trauma and that memory without retreading at the same time. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of callbacks to batman's past and i even think just there's some significant differences with his version of batman there that aren't necessarily present with other versions uh for Mm -hmm. example like where his cave is it's not it's not exactly it's not well in in most cases you know it's under wayne manor here it's under wayne tower um that's Mm -hmm. a prominent point in his history from the comics i would i want to say in like the late 90s early 2000s because for a long time batman did operate through kind of a subway system and he did also had batman bat caves lingered throughout the city and he would also have like other bunkers and other places he would operate out of but i think taking inspiration from uh, it's either neil adams or chuck dixon i don't recall which one but having the cave be underneath Wayne tower isn't the first time it's been done, but it's been the first Mm. time it's been done in a movie, but it's not the first time. And it's not something that's unheard of. Like Batman has that. That's, that's, you know, in this movie, like bat Pattinson says, you know, I can't be everywhere at once, but I think there's an opportunity to explore how, you know, he could be everywhere at once. But at the same time, given the way that this film ends, I think that, given that his his cave is is underneath a, a subway system underneath Wayne Tower and the film ends with it being flooded, I can only imagine that maybe his cave could be somewhere else in a sequel. I don't know. Yeah. Oh but, interesting. Yeah. Right? Like that and that's that's just the thing about, you know, this version of Batman and the way that, that it's positioned and the way things are set up 
and the way that by the end of the movie you're you're left wondering what could happen to the elements that you are familiar with mm-hmm. and even like you know certain other characters that we meet like bel real is now president or, well not president mayor of gotham city but they're left without mm-hmm. a da um batman mythology would call for a da to come in and that would be you know harvey most dent. cases harvey dent right but here we get go yeah. colson played by uh peter stellengard star it's not i think stars right and he's given a pretty interesting performance as the da here but yeah. the way he's tied into the overall plot he sounded like um what's that actor malkovich to me like the way he talks john malkovich um yeah um yeah he has a really interesting part to play in this one um like i said before i love the conspiracy stuff i like when they lean into gcpd being not so great kind of reminds me of the gc gcpd comics that are really good um yeah and and so i i like that aspect of this film you know batman at one point says to gordon you're a good cop so like this version of batman you know like a lot of versions of the comics works with the cops he works with the police department he tries to do things the right way but he acknowledges that there's a lot of corruption within the city at all levels and this gotham is no different from that um so there's a lot of a lot of corruption within the city and that's you know that leads into the bigger overarching theme of it as well I also think there's just enough characters there on the GCPC side of things to be interesting too. I mean, you've got yeah. Officer Martinez, you've got the the you know um, Commissioner Savage, who later becomes a victim of the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Which, to your point, when it comes to just showcasing graphic but not really showing it, more of a show and tell kind of way, is what happens with his trap and how it's like kind of a a maze. At, yeah you know rats follow and eventually eat his face it's it's insane to think about but again you don't really get to see you don't see it happen but you see the after effect later on in the film when batman and gordon are interrogating the penguin and it's just mm-hmm. like oh man show don't tell but you know the gcpd being not all the way good i think it, it is also makes for an interesting point that hasn't been done on film either mm-hmm. but it is a lot like chinatown it so. is yes yeah um what what's another good scene we should talk about we talked about the beginning but oh um, there's there's a there's handful a of scenes oh my gosh <laughs> this mm-hmm. i mean i i think one of my favorites is like the whole thumb drive bit where batman and gordon are checking out uh <laughs> are checking out the garage of the mayor's cars mm-hmm. i like that um that i i did like I, I think hands down one of the best moments in the film is Batman using a legitimate metal bat to take out goons in the iceberg <laughs> yeah. lounge. That was great. That was great. Um, I like even just the first scene where it, it was played a lot in the trailer, but where Batman enters the crime scene and the way that the mm-hmm. cops are looking at him. And I remember watching the trailer and like whispering to my husband, I'm like, they're looking at Batman. Like they're shocked. And they're all staring at him. And that POV, I think, is so effective and so, so good. Um, well, even I, his I just, assessment of, of that crime sequence is, is mm-hmm. like almost straight out of an Arkham game or even just mm-hmm. out of, out of a, a, a detective comic where he's analyzing a crime scene. It's, it's straight up 
every Batman detective fan's dream come true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like leaning more into that, you know, leaning into the detective side of him. Um, Mm -hmm. Like those great comics that are referenced uh, by Matt Reeves as inspiration. That's what they, a lot of what they had in common was like true detective type stories. Um, And the Riddler is so well used in this movie. I I really like his motivation. Um, I feel like a lot of times in some of the really good works that I've read that I like with the Riddler, I, I think the one weakness in some of them is his motivation because usually it's just like, he's nuts, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) the end. (laughs) And like, I like the way that this movie, um, I think, like you said earlier, sort of almost has ties to like Hush and other influences of like, he has a truly dark and upsetting backstory that you could believe that he would become who he becomes in the film. You know, when thinking about where Batman is, his headspace and, you know, positionally where he is on the timeline, you know, he's in year two and he's in his early days thinking about how Matt Reeves also mentioned that the long Halloween serves as an inspiration for this. That makes a lot of sense because the long Halloween story is very much a story about Batman becoming a better detective. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is represented in this film very well because while he does by the end of the film manage to incarcerate the Riddler that still doesn't stop the Riddler's plan from being fully exposed and by the time Batman figures it out it's almost too late and that's at the end of it you know again he he need because of that he now knows that he needs to be better so he doesn't have something like this happen again but I also really like how he's able to just weave in and out and how he gave himself a persona that's not quite matches Malone, but for the film, it's called the drifter. He's able to weave in and out of these places and see things on his own accord that wouldn't normally you'd be privy to. Normally you just get away with, well, he's Batman. He he just knows what's going on. Gotham city. No, like Mm -hmm. showing us how he effectively goes around Gotham city and researches and plays detective and stakes out and, you know, pieces together this you know this mystery as it is presented to him i think is is a brilliant showcase of him evolving as as a better detective and i i appreciate that a lot yeah yeah i um i like also in this movie i kind of mentioned it before but i like arkham's role in the film um we find out later in the movie this is jumping really far ahead but i really like what they did with his father and his father, uh, we yeah. find out, saved Falcone um, at one point, which, again, kind of reminded me a little bit of Hush, which you know, it was a different character in Hush, but a similar sort of connection of like a darker memory, something to do with his dad being a doctor. And so like we know he saved him. And then we find out that there's like a conspiracy with that, right? That he, he somebody got killed by Falcone uh, because he trusted him and because he helped him. But we find out, you know, he was protecting a secret and the secret was his mother. Right. And we find out that his mother had like mental health problems and has something to do with Arkham. Um, her, la- her maiden name was Arkham. Oh, that's right. Her maiden name, her was, maiden Arkham. name was Arkham and she was in and out of the Institute. Which is like a really big change <laughs> for comic book readers. Like, I one of my favorite comics is Arkham Asylum. I can't remember. It's Arkham Asylum something. I can't remember the 
a tagline, but it, madness and something some like such. that. It's a Grant Morrison story. I know that much. Yeah, it's so good. Um, it's so dark, but you know, in the comics, a lot of times the Arkham family had their own history of mental illness, and that right. plays into like how screwed up the place ends up being, and because the people mm-hmm. in charge of it are basically as uh, unstable as the people in it, and blah 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 but in this version it's like we find out his mother had some of that instability herself which means he does and that's kind of interesting to me because there's also explored a lot in the comics this idea of like maybe you should be in there batman because you're literally wearing a costume and like you know solving crimes and stuff in your bat costume like maybe something's wrong with you and you should be in arkham asylum so i think this is like a really cool way of like connecting him to that Mm-hmm. And just playing on that theme of like what separates a a superhero from a supervillain, you know, what separates him from the right. Riddler. The Riddler is inspired by him, but how are they different? And I think the movie goes into that a lot. And I think the addition of his mother having that secret is just just really cool. It's I don't think anyone's done that in comics before, but it's uh, it fits to me. I think it's a good it's an interesting take. No, it's not been done in comics. Um but there has been story elements, uh, I, you know, actually, I'm sure it's been done in comics before. I just don't recall which ones, but I know for sure that, 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 that the Waynes having some level of darkness in their in their history was also done in the Telltale series. Um, yeah, yeah, kinda, done really well. I, yeah. I, I actually thought that this movie was going to go in that direction because, I yeah. mean, you basically find out his dad wasn't a good person, which is different yeah. from this movie because they kind of redeem him. He just had a secret. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, the the other closest thing I would say is in the Flashpoint series, you know, there's a version of yeah. Martha where she becomes the Joker. So in that way, you know, there's hinted at a little bit of darkness in this family, but I don't think directly like this where she would be right, related right. to Arkham. Right. Here, it's, just, it's a straight up, I wouldn't say remix, but a, a reimagination of Batman's family tree to some mm-hmm. extent. And it, but it also solidifies his own ties to Arkham Asylum, which I think is very interesting. And, you know, going forward, obviously, you know, given what happens at the end of this film, it's going to be a pretty prominent place that will be, that will be featured. I'm sure, you know, it's only, it can only yeah. get more full. I, I would imagine. In a lot of the comics, there's like an old family thing where it's like the Wayne's Arkham. And then I think even like in some versions, like Cobblepot's family too, Cobblepot's right? Cobblepot's and Elliot's, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like a kind of like a, in air quotes, royal family. But in this telling, it's like both his parents were directly related to those right. uh, ties. Um, but that's part of, um, that's like one thing that I I guess, you know, the Riddler knew some backstory in his mom, but he didn't have the full picture. But, you know, we find out in this movie that the Riddler was like a, an orphan. He was uh, an like, orphan. He was mm-hmm. a forensic accountant. And the reason he was able to figure out all of this, number one, was because he was a forensic accountant. He looked into the renewal um, mm-hmm. files and he looked into the renewal accounts. But then he was also living across the street from the Iceberg Lounge. And that's why he was able to take so many pictures of the Penguin, of the yeah. mayor, of all these individuals who are so high up in Gotham's rankings and class level, right? But they're mm-hmm. doing these really suspicious things that should be called into question but nobody's doing a thing about it not even batman so of course it's going to inspire 
the Riddler to do what he did. And, and just, you know, to even piggyback off what you said in regards to Paul Dano, I'm glad it was him and not not uh, Jonah Hill. It was going to be Jonah Hill at one point. Yeah, that would have been this. Yeah. Like no that, offense, Jonah Hill. Love you. But no, <laughs> that's what I remember reading was that Jonah Hill was reading for either of the parts of uh, Penguin and Riddler. He really wanted Riddler, but ultimately did not get it. So then uh, Matt Reeves, from what I understand, Matt Reeves sent off a script to Paul Dano and Paul Dano was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. No, this 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 role was made for him. Um, yeah. He brings something so unique and so different to this character. I like how like um desperate and broken and tragic he kind of is like we find out that you know he had a very horrific childhood the rats that keep coming up as a theme in his traps are because he was tortured by rats and he was in like unlivable conditions basically after the waynes died everyone just kind of forgot Forgot about the orphans right mm -hmm. and then the money started being funneled into like less reputable stuff and he stumbles upon it, like you said, as an adult when he gets a, a forensic accounting um, job. And that's when he finds out all this corruption. And he's just in the right place at the right time. Like you said, kind of, you know, delusional, but deciding like, oh, I happen to be here and I happen to know these things because I'm meant to. And there's like this greater purpose. And he creates this weird, like sort of almost symbiotic relationship with Batman. It's all one-sided. Yeah. Um, and the movie is so brilliant because when he meets him, he does the whole Joker thing, right? Where he's like, he gets caught. Like the Joker loves getting caught and being in, in, uh, Arkham and being right. like, I wanted to be in here, you know? So he does that. Um, and I think, you know, it, it plays really well in the film, but I love the like shock when they meet and, you know, the Riddler thinks that they're going to be friends. Uh, I just thought that was such a cool twist when he opens with saying Bruce Wayne over and over and you think, oh God, he figured out who he is. And then he like, maybe he did or maybe he didn't. That's not even what he's talking about. It's just so good. It's just done so well. I did like that. That's also another favorite scene of mine as well. Just that entire conversation between Batman and Edward in the in the Arkham cell. I really did enjoy that because it, it is a nice twist that he, at the entire time you think that Edward figured it out that, that Bruce Wayne is Batman, but then he says the line, you know, he's the only one we didn't get. And it's just like, Oh, and then he tells Batman, you're not as smart as I thought you were, which to his credit, you know, he Batman didn't figure it out. But at the same time, it's like, dude, Bruce Wayne's right in front of you. You couldn't figure it out. I almost so, feel like I was thinking about this last night. I was like, does he really not know? Or is it like, remember later he says, you know, people are so obsessed with what's under the mask, but that's not who you really are. You are when you wear the mask. So it's like, in a way, like maybe he did know, or other theory was that clashes so much with his theory and his obsession with Batman and his like love that he's cultivated for him that maybe that should have been obvious to him, but he like could not accept that, you know? Like maybe he kind of knew, but he wouldn't, look into it because that would be upsetting choice yeah yeah Yeah. true but yeah they're both orphans but he points out oh yeah he's an orphan in an ivory tower looking down at everybody and it's i I like that class element brought into this too because i think that's been a criticism in recent years people people have all these like in air quotes edgy takes where they're like uh has anyone thought about that batman's rich 
and he's beating it's like yes we have thought about that and it's very heavily explored in the comics actually just not so much in the movie so i think it's a really good move on matt reeves part to pull some of that stuff into these movies so that it is a little bit more balanced yeah i i enjoy that balance you know having just just having having a batman and having him just be you know i think that that criticism of whoa why does why does batman beat up criminals he's a rich i think having that class having the class separation being brought up in a, in a film like this absolutely is something that that should have not necessarily should have happened but i'm glad it happened now because mm-hmm. you know it's it really does kind of shine a light on something that you know, it's even kind of addressed in the film you know bella real yeah. talks to bruce and she's like you know you've been ignoring my calls your family's been so entrenched in philanthropy for the city but as far as i can tell you're not doing anything but all the while at night he's dressing up like a vigilante beating up criminals and you know figuring out this riddle this riddler mystery as well so yeah it's it is interesting to see the 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 class being brought up on, on in multiple ways and even so much so where you know catwoman you know selena she's even like kind of siding with the riddler at one point because you know she's sick and tired of all these crazy rich people just always being in control of the city i.e case in point um falcone mm-hmm. so yeah and i think like it's it's really interesting that um i think this version of Batman is kind of like, well, yeah, a, a bunch of rich, awful people run the city, and I am a rich person, so I'm one of the few people that could actually do something about it because I have the means and I have, I have the resources. So right. it's like, what if one of those people was good and could help? You know, so I feel like the the film does and the universe does a good job of being like him being like rich doesn't make him a good person. It's like he's the one good person out of a sea of people that are bad. Right. So, and, and then the other thing is, I love what they did with Catwoman because they gave the two of them such similar backstories, right? We find out that like her mother died and her father is Falcone, which I think is another really interesting twist. A, I think a good idea. Um, but like she has this vengeance in her where she wants to kill him and then Batman stops her and you know is explaining why but only he or you know very few people can understand the kind of pain she's in he truly gets it because he wanted to do that you know he mm-hmm. wanted to find his parents killer and make them pay so like he can truly empathize with her and i feel like that addition to her character makes her so much more interesting than just like a burglar you know like True, i feel yeah. like it just adds another layer to her and makes her as badass and formidable as I think she is in like Batman returns. And as I think she was in the old 60s show, like she's supposed to be a big part of his life and a big part of the rogues gallery, but she's always like almost always a little bit complicated, not a straight villain. And I think in this one, they share so much commonality that makes her very compelling. And I mean, you, you could almost say like, you understand her line of thinking more than Batman's right. Where she's like, I'm going to get out of here, <laughs> which I know she'll be back, but she's like, this city is terrible. I'm leaving. Um, I'm moving on. And her, you know, 
desire for vengeance and all that. Like, it's very relatable. Like, in, in some ways, she's more relatable than he is. I agree. And I think that that really does boil down to Zoe Kravitz portrayal of the character too. like the, the performance she put in was just astronomical on so many levels like she really made that version her own and i think having her be this you know i i, I almost agree like you know having you, you can almost really see more so where she's coming from because she's even more personally can affected by mm-hmm. the actions of you know, Falcone, whom whom you come to find out by the end of the film is really the the crux of all the corruption in Gotham City, which is very much a, a year one ish pull. Yeah, yeah, he here. runs the town. The mob runs Gotham, basically. Right. right. And that is so, such a cool, fun thing <laughs> to put in these Batman movies. So yes. And then even it. even taking it further, doing doing the 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 relationship between selena and falcone having her be his daughter is something that's in long halloween oh yeah that's right so forgot about that really taking taking to read that it's been so good it's so good i love the animated movie too the two yeah i thought the animated movie was good it was it was really i didn't really like what they changed but it's fine that's understandable that's completely understandable but, but I liked it nonetheless. It was done yeah, well. Yeah, I think I think just on, on the on the whole point of just making Selena a daughter of Falcone was just a, a nice little touch and a nice callback to the source material again. Mm-hmm. You know, the, if if you wanted to look at Batman films and which ones really do closely resemble the source material, I, I think the the crown would arguably probably go to this film. Truthfully. Mm-hmm. I th- I think Yeah, this film, I think so too. Like, I, I think this one probably honors the source material the best, or not even the best, but most faithfully in respect towards the other films that did. I still think that The Dark Knight is the best movie. Sure. Because yeah. Christopher Nolan is an incredible director. But as far as, like you said, honoring the source material and being a good movie, I think this one is the better Batman movie. I, I, can, I can agree to that. Yeah. Because I mean, um, yeah, there's specifically with the Dark Knight. I don't think there's ever going to be a, a performance like, you know, Heath Ledger ever did with the Joker ever, ever again. So yeah, yeah, very true. Although um, pa- Paul Dano, though not calling back to it, it is an interesting like interpretation of the Riddler. It is. We I haven't agree. had a Riddler this good, I think, on screen. No, I don't think so. Love Jim Carrey, but <laughs> yeah, and I think since you know he is left alive by the end of the film. And there is that little tease with Keegan's Joker. I'd have to wonder what kind of role, if any, there is for the Riddler to play in a future part. Yeah. I always feel like the Riddler is like a very interesting villain, but the person that always has the upper hand on him and can like manipulate or use him, I feel like is the Joker. So Mm -hmm. I feel like his involvement will be, somehow under joker's thumb but we'll see it's a possibility yeah but i like this version of again of the riddler where he's like i mean he's just delusional and i I, it's scary and fun and just it's good i really like well i think (laughs) there's something there's something to really appreciate about really just this universe and the way that the aesthetic of it all is right Mm -hmm. like there's just something very modern and authentic and very real but also almost 
not quite Blade Runner, but maybe. Yeah, no, I thought that too. I thought about Blade Runner, especially with the the scene with all the umbrellas and the rain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Blade Runner, definitely. Mm-hmm. But like, I would say something more, maybe almost Judge Dread, or yeah. just Dread, the twenty twelve Dread. Well, especially like towards the end of the movie where things have really gone to crap. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's pretty lawless. It's like that. You know, the next movie is going to be kind of like that. You know, almost well, apocalyptic with how bad the city's gotten. Like Batman outright says, you know, martial law has been enacted, so there's going to be looting, rioting, like. And I've even thought about this. Like, if, if Gotham is still flooded, he's going to have to find a different mode of transportation. His car is not going to cut it. Yeah, that's true. I think that's going to be such an interesting take on it. Yeah. Um, I really look forward to that. Hey, we haven't talked about the Penguin very much, though. We, we should talk about the Not penguin. really. And, like, how much he factors into the plot and how much he gets chased around and how mm-hmm. much he gets <laughs> talked to and like yeah you know colin farrell is a very important character even though he doesn't have that much screen time by comparison mm-hmm. to the other characters yeah he's a very interesting version of oswald so he's kind of like at this, the point that we're meeting him he's still climbing the ranks he's not falcone level yet but he's getting there um and like you said he's very integral to the plot but he's not a main villain yet no, I think he does the supporting villain role very, very well. I think yeah. with what we saw of him, the portrayal, the tooth, the accent, just the the everything Colin Farrell did with that character was just spectacular. Just absolutely just to a T if 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 you just want a penguin that is very much a superb gangster, then he's your guy. And the car chase scene, come on. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, like some of some of the best line delivery from Farrell as Penguin is, you know, when he's spraying Batman down with with his with the Uzi and Catwoman, and he goes, "Hey, Vengeance, you think you can take my money?" Tells Kenzie to grab the bag, and then afterwards, you know, there's that that exchange where he's mocking Gordon and Batman as you know, bad cop, bat shit cop, like you know, it, it's just all. <laughs> superb it's just absolutely superb watching colin farrell play oswald cobblepot in this universe because he's having a great time and even like you know going to the very first interaction that he has with batman like he mm-hmm. you know he goes i wasn't rolling with him chief it wasn't me you know he, he's totally just planned it off like look i'm just a proprietor like he he's yeah. he's it, that, that is so penguin Such great gangster shit it's great yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's just the penguin like it feels so true to who the penguin is because he's just like look yeah there's some shady shit going on here but i if it happened i couldn't tell you where it happened i don't know did it happen Mm -hmm. here yeah maybe but i couldn't tell you what exactly happened that's the way i've always seen penguin and i think that this interpretation that colin farrell does is probably up there as far as one of the best and i love that he seems like an easy target i mean the physicality of how he looks and his performance. But at the end of the day, he's not the big bad. I mean, he kind of says that throughout the movie and then it's true. Like Falcone is truly worse. And so is the Riddler. Um, And you just get the feeling that he will definitely capitalize though on the state of Gotham now, you know, (laughs) like now he's going to have free reign to do whatever he wants, but, um, but he's not, I kind of like when he's not like the big, big bad. Although, who knows? Maybe in the next 
movie he will be. Maybe he'll mm. evolve too. It's a possibility. What do you, really what do you sure. think will happen in the next movie? Um, well, um, as as of right now, it's being dubbed part two. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's it it could do it could very well just pick up directly after where the first film ends and, you know, Mm -hmm. continue on with year two. Um, I think there's a possibility that you could do a small time jump and have it be a year or two post flood, but still have that flood impact. Mm -hmm. I still, I still think it's possible, but um, I don't know. Um, I, I think as far as villains go, you know, the the cast mentioned court of owls on the press tour as possible follow-up i I would love to see that um personally uh whether it be here or in the dcu with james gunn's brave and the bold i would love to see Mm -hmm. a version of mr freeze somewhere preferably here in in the batman universe i think mr freeze can be done here and i think matt reeves even mentioned mr freeze once or twice so that Mm -hmm. gives me a little bit of hope um, I could see uh, Phantasm. I could see Andrea Beaumont making an appearance. That'd be a fun one. But I I don't know how um how familiar Reeves is with the animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Doctor Hugo Strange. Mm. That's one villain I would love to see. Like I would love to see Hugo Strange be the one heading Arkham Asylum and being the one <laughs> to ask the question why all these villains are in here and then deduce the idea that, oh, wait, they're in here because Batman keeps bringing them in here. Why does Batman keep bringing these lunatics in here and why does Batman stay in here for a while? I think yeah. you could have a really fun movie with Batman and Arkham Asylum locked up that would be alongside. Awesome. Like I would with, love that. Yeah, I, th- I think you could explore that. Um I think you could also get away with doing a version of the court of owls and having Batman explore the tomb, uh, the, the, the secret, you know, owl nests and whatnot. Yeah. Like, like oh, I could, I, I could see Matt Reeves doing like a 20 minute scene of Robert Pattinson, totally. just, just freaking out in a, in a maze. Like I could see that happening. Oh, that'd be fun. What about you? Well, I mean, to me, the easy grab is that they introduce Barry Keegan's character. And to me, that's, possibly leading into the second movie um but i don't know for sure i mean that's just like an assumption it's like they tease him does that mean that he's going to play a bigger part especially with that comment about like friends at the end you know i would think that again like i mentioned earlier since the the da in this movie gets blown up i would think that that was an intentional story beat Mm -hmm. so he could get replaced later and if that were to be the case then i would certainly hope that the da gets replaced by none other than harvey dent yay that would be great yes okay sorry i had to jump ahead just to see what you thought of that (laughs) um are there other scenes that we haven't talked about yet that you were that you had oh man i mean you know when he's telling colson the answers to the riddles and then has to, you know, and gets blown up presumably and then has to, you know, kind of punch Gordon to get his way out of GCPD. And then the whole flight, just that, that the entirety of all of that, I really enjoyed. Um, Oh yeah. And I I think. think, I was going to say, I like when Colson would rather die 
they, they give they, up Falcone's yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. That was really effective. I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think, I think Pattinson was the only actor of, of any on the shortlist that could have nailed what, matt reeves was able to bring out of him in terms of having this this determined detective being Mm -hmm. brought into these just scenarios that he hasn't seen before like you know seeing the rat trap figuring out the puzzles and then having to figure out like you know having to help gil colson through the through these series of riddles and then having to just get you know get so close to the answer he's looking for only to, to to have the person who might have the answer be like no i'd rather die yeah it's a learning experience for him because he it's now at that point, Batman was learned is, is keen of if I need to get information, then I need to be an effective about it. I can't mm-hmm. just, obviously there was a timer and other things that prevented him from really getting the information, but this was a point where he, you know, it was, it was a learning thing for him. I, yeah. I would say. Another big learning thing, I think, is what happens to uh, Alfred in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he when he gets um, becomes a target of one of the the Riddler's bombs that was meant for him, right? Um, but but Alfred um, ends up in the hospital, and there's a really powerful scene between. Although I was kind of mad at Bruce <laughs> when he wakes up. The oh. second Alfred wakes up, he's like, "You lied to me." I'm like. This man just got blown up. Give yeah, him some pause, okay? And he's just <laughs> but, <laughs> super irritated at the fact that Alfred just flat out lied to him. And he's just like, you lied yeah. to me, Alfred. And he's like, okay, well, anyway. But I think that's also part of like his character. I mean, obviously, Batman has always struggled with his feelings. Yes. And <laughs> expressing them in a healthy way. So I think that was part of that. But, um, you know, where he says he thought he would never be that afraid again. Um because, but that that's like his ultimate fear it's not him dying which i felt like i wanted to ask you this too this comes up a couple of times in this scene he says i'm not afraid to die but i'm afraid of losing someone i care about do you feel like him saying that because he says it then and then at the end of the movie catwoman says to him like you know this is going to kill you i feel like this trilogy ends in batman's death somehow that's my theory well, I just feel like that was mentioned a couple of times to set the stage for something. I think you're on the right track, honestly. I mean, that's something we haven't seen in a Batman film before. I mean, sure, people can make the argument about The Dark Knight Rises. I don't really care. Like, Bruce Wayne's alive at the end <laughs> of that movie. There's really no no question about that. But I, I, I think, yeah, it, it's possible that, that, that there, is a, there is a trilogy here that Matt Reeves is setting up to where Batman sacrifices himself to save Gotham City. I think that's a yeah, very strong and I feel like possibility. It's, it's a smart move, move, sorry, smart move on Matt Reeves' part because if you don't want someone to mess with your universe and you don't yeah. want them to keep making more and more, what you you just you kill Batman <laughs> so that they can't. True. And True. I feel like it would end cap it in a way that's satisfying where people would be like, okay, like I don't think it would be controversial for him to do that. Um, and I like I like the scene also where. Um, he has all those clues in the aftermath of the blown up office or blown up area that Alfred was in where yeah. he's like writing like no more lies, sins of the father, all that stuff. Man, I just love that scene. <laughs> just makes you know, him seem so obsessed and so gone and just, it's just great. Yeah. I mean, 
there are a lot of scenes I really do love. I mean, even the intro of him walking through the city streets as it's raining, as he's in the drifter outfit or, um, looking at looking down at the blood stain left by the carpet tucker tool from the riddler like oh, yeah. there, there are really just a lot of really good shots and good scenes in this film and I, I i don't necessarily have a bad thing to say about any of them and i feel like i say that about a lot of films that i love but but i mean that's because you love them <laughs> exactly right right so um how about the gunfire um the way that they use darkness in the movie especially in like the fight scenes i like that that scene where I guess they're in like the tunnels or whatever. And they're all trying to shoot at Batman with those semi-automatics and the way that like the, the light from the gunfire and the, the, you know, the choreography of the fight, the fighting, it just, it's really good. I like that scene a lot. I agree. And, you know, even to just elevate that scene a little more is like throughout the rest of the rest of this movie, but in that scene specifically, you get uh, a really high, beat of giacchino's score where it goes don't 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 and it, it's such beating a great along. score yeah it's great and like the you you get that same feeling throughout the rest of the movie mm-hmm. like i feel like giacchino's score I, i'm sorry junkie i'm sorry hans zimmer i'm sorry danny <laughs> elfman but like when i hear batman like when i hear like the animated series theme or when i hear like you know elfman's theme and then i listen to giacchino's theme I really feel like Giacchino's like he he's got it like that. That's mm-hmm. that's the Batman theme. Oh, and okay, the scene at the end of the movie where they're in the um, Gotham Square Garden and all that water is coming in, and you know Batman's fighting on the scaffolding with Catwoman. That part reminded me a lot of like the animated series. I felt oh, like yeah. in the animated series there was always like fighting on some kind of scaffolding all the time. Yes, I was like, what a great callback to that. Well, there's an episode with the Scarecrow and Robin. I think it's Fear of Victory. It's almost like that. It was almost like yeah. that fight a little bit. And and also when Catwoman um, is having that confrontation with her father, the very last confrontation totally reminded me of Batman Returns. Um, oh, yeah. Like Catwoman in, in the in her boss's office yeah. like i don't know just i love the way he did that like it, a lot of it's like very subtle but but it's there like you can still see it yeah there, there's, there's definitely homages to other prior batman iterations i would say i mean I, like like we were talking about earlier I, th- I feel like matt reeves really did take a lot from everyone else who's worked on batman before mm-hmm. and really just kind of done his own thing with it yeah. for the better i mean even even his action is almost reminiscent of you know some of the stuff that that zack snyder and ben affleck and camp did with agreed agreed character mm-hmm. which felt very much inspired by the the arkham games and like whenever yeah. I, I keep going back to those games but i remember like the first time we turned one on and i was like watching the intro and you know moving around i was like man why don't they do movies like this and like now i'm glad that they are doing that (laughs) i was like this is so good um okay is any other scenes that we haven't well i mean you know everyone do you do you see people complain about the chase sequence at all no i want to hear this though oh my gosh like like, it's so funny to me like i've seen people complain about the chase sequence and how batman was too reckless on the road and i'm just like um what (laughs) well this isn't less experienced batman we know that 
So this you could true. argue that some of it is for that reason, but I mean, in all hero movies, they're extremely reckless on the road. True. Like, I I don't see that as like a problem. It was, but it's it's it was just very <sighs> trying to apply real world logic to a fictional film is just something that I think a lot of people shouldn't do sometimes. Yeah, when it I comes mean, comes to specific sequences of action. Right. Like we talked about how we feel like this movie is more grounded than some Batman films, but at the end of the day it is a superhero film. Right. So you've got to you've got to know that going in. And I feel like it just ruins it if you're looking for stuff like that. Right. And I mean, it's it just feels very nitpicky to be like, "Oh, if the penguin was in that bad of an accident, there's no way he'd survive." And I'm just like, "Well, well duh." You, like well, <laughs> I mean, sure, yeah, but like does that really matter? I mean, I feel like the point of these characters sometimes is that they do like survive kind of impossible things. I mean, it, it is right, right. fantasy at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I look at that, that, that sequence and, you know, Reeves talked about how they built the majority of that sequence in, you know, a virtual computer before they went out and shot it on the outside. Mm. And I was like, wow, that looks really incredible for being mm-hmm. shot the way that it was yeah. like even so much so to have the camera at the very tail end of the batmobile to where you see the batmobile swerve mm-hmm. like i just really love the technical aspects of how this film came together yeah no i completely agree there's so many great scenes like oh, um God. also yeah. like the the little gang that's fighting you know the way they establish in the beginning of the movie that like they don't know where Batman is. The bad guys don't. And that's part of the fear. He can't be everywhere at once, but his presence is felt throughout the city. And that, you know, the second they see that signal light up the sky, bad guys are automatically more afraid. And I, I liked the, the sequence with like the gang kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're kind of like initiating someone into their gang and he's got half the makeup on almost like he's half in half out. You can yeah, tell he kids... really is struggling with what he's yeah. going to do. Yeah, that kid is Tim Drake in Titans, the Titans TV show. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, I he, like the way. Yeah, like go ahead. I did like that that introduction where he gives one of them a beat down and then the rest of them a beat down. They recognize he's vengeance. Yeah. But the one kid is just kind of he's struggling with what he's being told to do. I, I did. I did mm-hmm. like that. And then he runs away and you kind of get the feeling like, you know, maybe that was his wake up call. And I just like the the visual of like it covering half his face, like he's conflicted. Like I don't know, the, just a lot of nice little touches. Um, oh yeah, the way 100%. the cards from the Riddler look very much feel like Long Halloween, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Just a lot of nice little touches. You know, I also really liked <laughs> Paul Dano as the riddler when he was on the video call and how he kind of like hobbled in the frame and how he was delivering his lines to 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 colson about about uh the the riddles and how he 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 caps a last riddle like the way he was just kind of kind of fanboying out watching this person squirm squeal Mm -hmm. for their life was just i don't know like there was was something really good (laughs) it was good cinematically speaking like visually mm-hmm. i was i was impressed and i had a smile on my face even though dark yeah. things were happening to people on screen sometimes when people <laughs> no for sure like sometimes when people try to portray like these over the top larger than life villains 
it can come off as like campy right or kind of silly you know sometimes when i mean that's why you get so many criticisms of different versions of the joker because that's a hard character i think to bring to life and be you know all the things that joker's supposed to be he's supposed to be like fun but he's scary but he's you know he's he's a lot of different things and like this version of the riddler paul dano did such a good job of like there are times you're laughing at stuff he says there are times where he goes into this fit of just rage and it comes across extremely unstable and kind of scary but then other times he's like kind of pathetic it's like he plays all the sides of that character so well it's it's effective and kind of just disturbing i just think he did such a good job with it i agree i agree completely and i think you know i really think that everyone brought their a game to the to this movie i don't really Mm -hmm. think that there's a bad casting at all and a bad performance not Not, not one at all totally agree um did you want to talk about any of the deleted scenes were there any that stood out to you or um you know the one with the joker and batman with barry's barry's joker um i am a fan of it i did like that scene quite a bit um i understand why it was not in the final movie i still would have preferred to have seen a version of the film with that scene in it Mm -hmm. but only but the only caveat is i would like to have seen it with that scene in it not knowing that that scene may or may not have existed because that scene in particular was a point of contention for the longest time yeah, of whether or I not think, it would wind up in the film. Yeah, I think, I think maybe they were worried that it would take the attention away from some of the other villains that, um, but at the same time, I kind of like the idea that like, I mean, him and Batman are already like creating some sort of connection or relationship. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, personally, I was telling Nick this last night. I, <laughs> I'm okay with every version, pretty much, of the Joker, but I'm a little sad that we're already going to like the horrible disfigurement angle so quickly. Oh sure. Like a part yeah. of me kind of doesn't like that. Um, but at the same time, he's always in some way disfigured. That's how he becomes the Joker. So I get that part. Um, I thought his performance was really good. I'm a fan of Barry Keegan in general. Um, the first time I saw him in a really great performance was um, the one that a lot of people point to, and that's the killing of a sacred deer. They came yep. out in 2017. He is chilling and disturbing and just a lot in that movie and if i i felt like the second they started saying that he could be the joker i went oh wow yeah he totally could and people were like oh, i don't know i've seen him in you know dunkirk and other things i'm like no 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 you got to see this movie um i think he does a great job in that film and i don't think it's the joker obviously it's a different character but i think you can see that he has the capacity to be menacing and to be scary so i i think he'd do a good job but at the same time, yeah, I'm a little conflicted about that deleted scene. I don't know if we needed it for per se, but I certainly enjoyed it enough to where I kind of wish it was in it. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I like him. I like what he did with the character. I like the line delivery, and I do like that it establishes that there is a Batman, there is a Joker. They have some pre-established history. They've obviously mm-hmm. had a run in and now Batman is coming to the Joker to try and get some kind of mental angle on the Riddler now. 
And when the Joker turns it around on Batman and says, no, 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 let's talk about you. You're much more fun. That really kind of tells me that there there is a playfulness there that the that the Joker is very keen on getting under Batman's skin and wanting to figure him out and wanting to Mm -hmm. maybe get him to laugh. You can definitely tell that there's something there that I think I think if Matt Reeves has a bigger picture in mind for the Batman for the Batman's world, I think he's got something a little more specific in mind with what he wants to do with the Joker and how he wants to bring him into the fold. Like, I think he's going to tell a big, huge story that doesn't necessarily involve the Joker, but I do think that the Joker is going to be a supporting character that you probably might want to pay attention to. Cause he did, you don't just include him in the end of that movie in the way that you do. And then not have something set up down the line for it. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause this version of the Joker too is like, and, and I think, also the riddler it's like well maybe the riddler is his age but like the joker's a lot younger like about a decade younger which is like an interesting portrayal of that character he's not often younger than batman they're usually around the same age if not one of them's a couple years older than the other sometimes the joker is usually older than batman yeah which i kind of like that too but i think it's interesting that it's so different here that he's like younger. I just wonder how that's going to, I don't know. I'm just obsessed with Batman. So I <laughs> just think about everything about it. I um, just, I just kind of like that at <laughs> anyone in a, in a role is, is kind of like, you know, they're, they're old enough to grow. Like, you know, obviously this mm-hmm. is like a 30 something year old Batman. They're shooting for a trilogy and mm-hmm. some other spinoff films, some TV shows, which is great. Yeah. So it's, it's like, they're really trying to expand this world in a way that, 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 that you necessarily couldn't do by traditional movie making standards, you know, year 10 12 years ago when christopher nolan was making the dark knight trilogy so i think that's exciting but i also think that 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 he cast them specifically so he could watch grow with them so Mm -hmm. no totally agree that's kind of where my head's at with it and as far as the joker's concerned again like i i don't know um what the plan is because i've also seen matt reeves say that that the joker isn't like an immediate priority but at the same time if that if that were the case then you introduced him for a reason and I, I i'm very very curious to see what that reason winds up being i like what you said though i kind of like the idea of like him not being the main villain but being more a supporting one kind of like the penguin was in this one i'd, I'd be right. i'd be good with that right. but i'm good with like whatever he's gonna do because i feel like i just have faith in what he does given what he did with the planet of the apes movies that i right. really enjoyed right yeah, I really love those apes movies too. I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I think, is probably my favorite one. Like that mm-hmm. was, that was probably one of the first films I seeked out immediately upon yeah. hearing the news that he was going to direct a Batman movie. And then after watching Dawn, I went back and, or not went back, but I I, I saw um, War Planet of the Apes. And then I went back and watched Cloverfield. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm game for whatever Matt Reeves decides to do with Batman. And then of course, you know get to the making of the movie shooting the movie and you know movies out we all celebrate here we are <laughs> yeah. later a year almost a year later funny enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well um anything else we need to touch on or should we wrap up here uh you know i think that just as a final thought kind of thing this this mm-hmm. film really is just kind of up there with joker and maybe even a couple other s- superhero films like logan yeah. or even like um 
Yeah. Yeah. Like even, even Zack Snyder's justice league, like just those special films that don't necessarily reinvent the genre, but they keep the genre moving forward as time goes by when, when we're in such a world of, you know, again, like cinematic universes just dominating conversations left and right. No, a hundred percent. I was going to ask you like, what keeps you coming back and like how you would summarize it. But I think you, you did a good job there. <laughs> I mean, well, you also, you know, I'm, I'm spoken for, I'm biased. This is Batman. I will watch anything Batman, but, I, but again, you know, like to, to, to mention, you know, Matt Reeves again, like, you know, there, there are just certain storytellers that, you know, we, we gravitate towards and we latch onto and, you know, even certain characters, like again with Batman and when you get a perfect pairing, like this and you know you get such a a version of the character that resonates so well with so many people it's nice to see it get expanded upon and so when it comes to expansion that's why i'm coming back from where i can watch this movie on repeat because i can think of all the different avenues in which certain characters can pop up but at the same time i'm also reserving judgment for and if when those characters show up in what way matt reeves wishes to interpret them because you know creative integrity and freedom and all that yeah, no, I, I I agree with you, and uh, I feel like we've talked about it the whole time that we've been talking about this. But the the look of the the film, the um, the direction that it went in, the leaning into detectives, leaning into that noir stuff, le- leaning into you know the Batman basically from the comics and from the games, yeah. like are, like fan favorite versions of this character. I think is what Matt Reeves was able to bring to the screen and. Um, that's why I, I, I could watch this movie basically on repeat. I mean, we talked about movies like Blade Runner, you know, that's another movie that I can watch like over and over. And this kind of has shades of that in it. And, uh, so yeah, I love it. Um, and that's how I would pitch it too. I'd be like, this is, this version of Batman is the one that I feel like fans are, are really into. Like, I mean, this movie has all those elements that a lot of Batman fans crave seeing on the big screen so like you know, if you want to know why we're so into this character i feel like this movie's a good way in <laughs> i feel like i feel like if batman the character if you have a bar for that character and that bar is say set with standards set at the animated series mm-hmm. i would say that the batman is about as close to those standards as you're going to get today in 2023 100 totally agree well, Phil, this was amazing. Um, thank you again for coming on and thank you for picking this movie to chat about. As always, it's a blast getting to chat with you about any movie whatsoever, be it Cape and Cow or not or otherwise. But yeah, I'm glad I got to talk about the Batman. Um, again, I apologize to anyone who might have wanted to talk about it. Really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, y'all. It's hard to... We could We could talk about it again. Give it a year and we'll talk about it again. You know I can't get tired of this movie, so... <laughs> absolutely um but where can people find you well uh if you all want to follow me on any social media platform uh twitter barrow instagram uh, at unfiltered uh u-n-p-h-i-l-t-e-r-e-d-d-d and as uh, lisa mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show you can listen to my other show uh the eternal night which is a batman podcast funny enough on uh podbean spotify apple podcasts and um iHeartRadio. radio you can also follow you can also find me on the four nerds on youtube every thursday most of the time but yep that's that's pretty much it and you know i'm on twitter more than not that's the platform i'm probably on the most but not too much i mean you know just scroll through on my breaks and stuff 
that's about yeah. it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll chat again soon. Yeah. Again, you know, thank you for having me on. It's always a blast getting to listen to your shows. Yeah.